Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello everybody, happy Wednesday to you and thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host Al Melchior. And uh, it is going to be a jam-packed show today. We've got Nathan Dockin. You know him from the Nasty Cast. You also know him, I think, from Fantrax. If you don't know him from there, you should, because he uh, writes excellent columns for Fantrax. We're going to talk about one of them, his latest Fire and Ice column. Uh, and also, we're going to take a look at uh, some of the starting pitchers going today. we got three games in progress right now, uh, all with some interesting uh, starting pitching matchups. Uh, frankly, a lot of... A lot of runs getting scored, uh, but Chris Archer doing okay so far. Kyle Hendricks doing better than okay so far. Uh, not so great for uh, Jose Brios. Uh, and uh, well, well, we'll go through all that with, with uh, Nate. And uh, take a look at the nighttime slate, because there's a lot there uh, to look into. We've got uh, some big... Uh, pitcher news in terms of injuries. We've got uh, some stand-up performances from Tuesday's games that uh, are pretty interesting, and we'll check those out. So uh, with no further ado, let's get to those pitcher injuries. Of course, the, the really big one, Trevor Bauer, uh, what initially looked like not a big deal, turned out to be a small stress fracture in his right fibula, and he is uh, now on the 10-day disabled list as a result. I haven't seen any sort of timetable for him, but uh, we will have a, uh, to, to steal from his uh, Twitter handle, we'll have a, a Bauer outage uh, for at least uh, another turn in the uh, rotation. And same deal for uh, James Paxton, who, uh, again, could have uh, could have uh, dealt with something far, far worse, taking a, a comebacker off his forearm, merely a bruise, but still that's placed him on the DL. And it looks like Felix Hernandez, who came in and uh, basically filled the long relief form on Tuesday, that he would take Paxton's spot in the uh, the rotation and maybe a a short stay, hopefully a short stay uh, for James Paxton. And some good news in batteries, not on the pitching side, but on the catching side. Wilson Ramos is expected to be activated today. And uh, hopefully in the Phillies lineup tonight, but we do not have a Phillies lineup yet. They're playing the Red Sox at Citizens Bank Park. It's going to be Avaldi and Velasquez. That's a matchup that I'll be talking with uh, Nate Dockett about a little bit later on in the show. And uh, I'm guessing we'll have uh, a lineup before this hour is out and uh, see if Wilson Ramos is in it. So that would be pretty cool. Starling Marte was not, well, originally he was in the Pirates lineup for the game that's going on right now uh, against the Twins, but he was a late scratch due to an illness. Last night, uh, the big uh, kerfuffle with the, uh, I don't know that I've ever said that word on the show before, so glad to have a, an excuse to do it. A big kerfuffle between the uh, Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, Yasiel Puig at the plate, uh, Missed on a, a pitch that he thought he should have hit and uh, uh, just kind of slammed his head against the bat. And apparently Nick Hundley didn't like that. And they exchanged some words. And uh, Puig said that they the words coming from Hundley were not words that he could repeat. And uh, there was a, a bit of a, a what do I call it, kerfuffle, scrum, fight, whatever, on the field. And uh, both Puig and Hundley were ejected. No word yet on uh, whether or not any suspensions are going to be handed down as a result of that. Brandon Crawford, some good news for him. He is feeling better. Uh, Bruce Bochy is optimistic that he's not going to have to put Crawford on the DL. Uh, who? Um, well, let's see. He still has to undergo uh, some tests, I believe, concussion tests. and uh, But, yeah, not expected to go on the DL as of right now, according to Alex Pavlovich of 
Bay Area uh, NBC Sports. Good news for George Springer. Pretty much just uh, an extension of the favorable reports that we've had the last couple of days. Springer did take batting practice, ran the bases, and threw to the bases on Tuesday. And uh, so he continues to be on track to make it a minimum stay on the DL, meaning that he could be activated this Friday. And, hey, that's just two days away. So that would be awesome, uh, that update uh, from The Athletic. And also from uh, The Athletic, Jake Kaplan in particular. Brian McCann's about to start a rehab assignment. He'll start that on Thursday with the AAA Fresno Grizzlies. And uh, no timetable in terms of when he'll be returning to the Astros, but uh, making progress in any event. Adrian Beltre did not play for the Rangers on Tuesday due to his hamstring injury. And I'm just checking to see if we have any further update there on uh, on Beltre or uh, on the Rangers. And I am not seeing it uh, yet. So uh, we'll just have to stay tuned and see when uh, Adrian Beltre may return to the Rangers, uh, Rangers lineup. We have a couple of... Very modest trades, uh, one of which probably does not have fantasy applications, but the other one might. Uh, the Cubs got Terrence Gore from the Royals for your favorite well-traveled player, Cash Considerations. Gore has a really cool career stat line. Of course, all that career has been with the Royals. He's 0 for 11 in his career. He's been hit by a pitch a couple of times. He's drawn one walk. And he has 21 stolen bases. So, I mean, that's not, yeah, I know if you understand uh, Gore's career arc and, and the role that he's played with the Royals over the last several seasons, it's not terribly surprising, but it just cracks me up every time I look and I see, uh, uh, you know, 0 for 11 with 21 stolen bases. So I would expect that he'll play a similar role with the Cubs, uh, probably after September call-ups where he'll be a pinch runner. And uh, Gore's had some appeal in September's past as a stolen base source, as a pinch runner. So, uh, in your uh, your NL only leagues, look out for Terrence Gore and Jake Thompson. He's been traded from the Phillies to the Brewers, also for cash considerations. Uh, the Brewers subsequently opted, optioned uh, Thompson to AAA Colorado Springs. Uh, Thompson, once upon a time, was a fairly highly touted uh, prospect first with the Rangers, then with the Phillies. Has not really didn't really pan out as a starter, hasn't really panned out as a reliever, but maybe we see him in the Brewers' bullpen uh, later on in the year. I don't think as a starter, but then again, Brewers could possibly use some uh, some rotation depth, so I'm, I probably shouldn't make an assumption as to the role there uh, in the, the Brewers' organization. Brandon McCarthy has announced that he's going to retire after this season. Uh, he said that uh, if he wasn't planning on retiring, he would have had uh, season-ending knee surgery about a month and a half ago, but he opted not to have it. He wants to try to rehab his way back into a relief role this September, maybe change his delivery a bit to accommodate the knee injury. So Brady McCarthy's days as a starter are completely over. And uh, just may see him, I, I would say, best-case scenario in a handful of relief situations uh, in the season's final month. So uh, I've always liked uh, like McCarthy and had a, a you know, as, as is typical, you know, missed time uh, last year and this year with some injuries. But uh, last year, really intriguing season. And I actually did take him in some deeper leagues last year because or this year because of last year's performance and being very, very good at – uh, avoiding hard contact, uh, but uh, this year, mostly a loss for McCarthy. He's been out most of the year uh, with the knee injury. And Brandon Morrow, he has been out since the All-Star break with his uh, biceps tendonitis. And this weekend, he is expected to throw off a mound for the first time since going on the DL. So uh, good news there for Morrow, although we still don't have any sort of uh, definitive timetable as to when he'll return. So I think you could uh, pretty much expect Pedro Strope to keep on getting the uh, bulk of the save opportunities for the Cubs. Uh, but Morrow does hope to come back at some point this year. And again, the next step for him will be throwing off a mound sometime this weekend. So sticking with the bullpen theme here, Nationals uh, put Ryan Madsen on the DL uh, on Tuesday due to the back problems that he had. 
And uh, last time that he pitched, uh, just a couple days back, that back gave him trouble, also caused him some pain in his leg, and uh, probably not a coincidence that uh, Morrow uh, did not have a good outing. And uh, so he has now been placed on the DL. So he is now the third uh, closer that uh, that the uh, Nationals have had to put on the DL. First uh, was uh, Sean Doolittle and then uh, uh, Kelvin Herrera and now Ryan Madsen. And Doolittle, uh, at least, uh, you know, there's there's uh, some, some good news uh, for Sean Doolittle, although it's, again, still not clear exactly – when he'll come back, sort of a similar thing to uh, tomorrow, as that uh, you know he's hoping to come back at some point this season, but not a not a definitive uh, uh, timetable for Doolittle. But he did throw a bullpen session on Tuesday, so that is clearly uh, a step in the right direction as he's uh, still trying to come back from that stress reaction in his foot. And in what I view is not such an encouraging development for Doolittle. He said that uh, similar to what I was just saying about Brandon McCarthy, that Doolittle may try to make some change in his mechanics or his delivery uh, if he is not fully healthy. And that that worries me. That just doesn't sound like a good thing for somebody who's got uh, a pretty long injury history. So uh, as with the situation in Chicago, I don't think we can count on Doolittle to be back anytime soon. So the new closer, closer number four, uh, after Doolittle, Herrera, and Madsen, is uh, Coda Glover, who himself has spent most of the season injured, but uh, recently called up by the Nationals and uh, now suddenly thrust into the closers role. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of great options in terms of speculation right now. We'll we'll get to some of the reasons for that in a bit. But uh, Glover just, you know, saves or saves, and uh, I'm not sure how reliable he's going to be, but He's as good a speculation uh, target as there is right now. Now, with the Twins, I talked about on Tuesday's show how Paul Molitor wants to go with a whole bunch of, of relievers in the committee. And yet, you know, over time, maybe that, that will bear itself out. But we've seen Trevor Hildenberger pretty much get all the ninth inning action since, uh, since the Twins traded Fernando Rodney away. And so for the second time in uh, three nights, he got a save on Tuesday. This time, and for the first time in a while, it was pretty much an uneventful and a scoreless, most importantly, a scoreless inning for Hildenberger. So maybe that bought him uh, the next save chance. Who knows? But uh, as if you missed uh, Tuesday's show, I talked about uh, this piece from the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press. It was Mike Berardino reporting this, that uh, – Motter will be looking to use Trevor May. That's not too surprising. Maybe Taylor Rogers. Uh, that that's good to see because he's been their best reliever. Maybe Gabriel Moya, which came as a big surprise to me, and Matt McGill, which also was pretty surprising. Uh, and both Rogers and Moya pitched, or I'm sorry, Rogers and McGill both pitched in the eighth inning, setting up Hildeberger on Tuesday. So they were getting some higher leverage work there as well. So, yeah, I, you know, if it came down between Glover and Hildeberger, I think I would go Glover just because, frankly, there's really nobody to share that job with at this point on the Nationals. And I just don't trust Hildeberger. I mean, I'm glad that he had a good outing on Tuesday, but that was after four consecutive really bad outings. And it's not like four outings out of the last seven or eight where he's kind of up and down, sort of like what we saw from Craig Kimbrell over the last two, three weeks. I mean, this was four stinkers in a row from Hildeberger, so he he, sta- he snapped that streak on Tuesday. But I'd rather I'd rather take the chance with Glover, and it is, frankly, taking a chance. Now, the Dodgers situation, that one's interesting. First of all, I want to clear something up with uh, some of the reports about Kenley Jansen. And maybe, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is on me, but uh, there were several tweets that were, were saying that Kenley Jansen, and when I say tweets, like from news sources, saying that Kenley Jansen might be back next week. And yet, the only thing I could really tie to that was a piece on MLB.com where Jansen said he was going to visit his doctor next week. Uh, And actually, the date for that was the 20th, so that's Monday. So he's going to meet with his doctor on Monday. So I guess conceivably, if he gets a really great report from the doctor, 
maybe we would see Jansen sometime next week, but all the only really the the only reported detail I could find was that Kenley Jansen's going to see his doctor on Monday. Uh, in terms of specifics on a timetable, the only thing I've really seen there is that uh, he's optimistic, and there are others who are optimistic that he can beat the four to six week timetable. And there's a gap there uh, between uh, a minimum of four weeks and saying he's going to be back next week. So uh, I, I, I'm not really believing that Kenley Jansen's going to be back next week. I'll certainly track the story, as I'm sure everybody will. But, um, yeah, if you saw the tweets but didn't read the stories, I, I thought it was misleading. So that's all a way to getting to the, the, the relevant details for fantasy that uh, the Dodgers are probably going to need to fill in closer for at least a couple more weeks. And now, if, if Jansen's back next week, then all this drama around uh, Scott Alexander uh, not pitching well his last time out, and then Kenta Maeda, he pitched on Tuesday, uh, didn't pitch well. Uh, so, you know, all of that uncertainty created by those situations may not add up to much if, in fact, Kelly Jansen would be back next week. But again, I have not seen any report that specifically suggests that that's, that's even a possibility. So uh, I think that's just one to avoid right now, you know, not only because we can't exactly be sure when Jansen's coming back, but because uh, Maeda, who uh, wasn't really, uh, you know, very happy, frankly, about uh, being moved into the bullpen and moved into a, a co-closer role. Uh, but just, the, you know, Alexander not uh, pitching well since, Jansen departing. Granted, it's only, I think, been two appearances, but that's just a situation to avoid. So uh, anyhow, uh, that's uh, where we're at right now in terms of the the closer situations. You know, unfortunately, it's just not, there's not anybody out there that's just a great target for speculation right now. So hopefully you're uh, you're happy with your, your fantasy bullpen. Anyways, uh, I'm going to be very happy with the fact that Nate Dockett's going to be here in just a few minutes. We're going to go to break. And uh, when I come back, Nate Dacca will be here and we'll talk about all kinds of stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive edge fantasy package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive edge fantasy package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package promo code FNTSY. Regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But well, you can't be any geek off the street. Baseball hour. I gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in. And uh, Nathan Dockett needs to be joining us in just a moment. Uh, before we bring Nathan on, though, I do need to remind you that DailyRoto.com will be more than $25,000 on the line for subscribers this NFL season entering paid contests on FanDuel. They're also bringing you along for the free roll. You have the chance to win big this year alongside Sports Grid CEO Jeremy Stein, one of the only men to have won two separate $1 million prizes. Each week, we'll select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split 50% of the profits. And if there are no profits that week, don't worry. Your name's going to get tossed right back into the hat for the following week. So head on over to dailyrotocom slash sweat and learn how to get in on the action and get your share of $25,000 in action. That's dailyroto.com slash sweat. So here from Fantrax, from the Nasty Cast, uh, both awesome places to find our guest. It is none other than Nate Dockin. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, all, thanks so much for having me back. Uh, always, always glad to have you back. I, I said right before the break, as unhappy as Kent Maeda is with being a reliever, that's how happy I am to have you on the show. So that's 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 pretty happy. <laughs> well, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a worst case scenario for him since he's kind of uh, getting skimped out of some some money a lot more than uh, than I am. So yeah, uh, I've got it a lot better than he does right now. Yeah, I, I suppose a lot of us do. So again, he is not not a happy camper. Uh, but uh, well, you wrote uh, your your weekly fire and ice piece 
Uh, and somebody who's probably not a happy camper is uh, Nicholas Castellanos. And your, your article prompted me to actually call him by his requested name of Nicholas because I usually, usually call him Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also David Peralta, let's actually start with him because he's been going very well. Uh, so what's your, your take on Peralta? What can we reasonably expect from him over the next six and a half weeks? Yeah, I came into the expectation of uh, for when I was writing for Peralta, I kind of expected to see a little bit more of a breakout than I actually found just because his surface numbers are so good. Um, and I did find um, something that is a little encouraging at least because he's always really struggled against lefties. Um, but his actual surface numbers against lefties still aren't great this year. But what I did find that is encouraging is uh, 39% hard contact, which is much better than he's made against lefties uh, in the past. And, you know, while the batting average hasn't necessarily translated yet, I think moving forward, I feel a lot more comfortable deploying him. Uh, you know, and the, the, the Diamondbacks, I'm sure, do as well, uh, deploying him against lefties and righties uh, with confidence. And he's seen a lot more plate appearances against lefties as a result. And that makes him, you know, that's just more runs and RBIs for you. And that makes him just more valuable over on or overall. Um, but unfortunately I expected to see a little bit more power from him. And the numbers that I found really don't back up um, a 20 plus percent home run per fly ball rate um, that he's posted so far. He's more of a, an even spray, like all fields kind of hitter as opposed to pulling the ball. And that really hurts your isolated slugging. So while he's been over a 200 ISO so far this year, you know, uh, maybe he'll still finish over it, but uh, I'm not expecting exactly a huge power binge from him moving forward. I think you might actually see some power regression moving forward, but um, I do expect a, a really good batting average. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just so, like you said, consistently uh, an all-fields hitter that you, that's, you figure if nothing else, you've got that floor of, you know, David Peralta is going to give you a nice batting average. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty encouraging, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as for Castellanos, um, I've been finally, maybe belatedly, um, advising people to sit him. And, of course, you know, now he you know, just recently had that monster game with the five hits. But then uh, he had an over again last night, I think, with three strikeouts. So is is he uh, over this uh, massive slump just yet, or uh, should we keep sitting Castellanos? Yeah, so this um, seems to be like the best thing that I could do for slumping hitters is write about them because right after that they go <laughs> and, and, and rebound. Cause since I've written this article, he's had a, I believe a five for five game and he's hit a couple of home runs. I believe he's got two hits already today. So um, I think it's pretty it's, safe to get him it's back. It's clear cause lineup. and effect, Nate. It's very yeah, clear yeah, cause absolutely. and effect. Yeah. I expect him to write me a nice letter very shortly. Um, but I, you know, I love writing these articles because I have sort of a certain expectation in my head when I go into it of what I'm going to find. That's not always the case. So I like when I'm surprised because um, with him, like even when he had been slumping over the last month or so, and it's been pretty bad, but he'd still been just scorching a ton of line drives with a ton of hard contact, you know, like 28% line drives and 45% hard contact. Um, you know, so, and he had only had, I want to say like a 280 BABIP over that span. So that, that BABIP was really low. Uh, but then I dug into his plate discipline a little bit, and his strikeout rate had really skyrocketed. There was just something amiss over the last month or so um, as far as he's just reaching too much. He's making a lot less contact. He's just whiffing a lot more. Um, but even with that, taking into consideration with the higher strikeout rate, his BABIP still should have been much higher. So he was still getting pretty unfortunate. Um, and given what we've seen from him over the last couple of days, I think it's pretty safe to say that you can get him back in your lineup now. All right. All right. Well, that's good to know. Cause yeah, I will, uh, you know, I'm, I've been very indecisive about my pitchers today, but at least it's good to know that's at least one less place of where I could be indecisive, but I do want, I want to talk about the pitchers cause um, I've got one league. Oh, actually I've got two leagues that are daily leagues, uh, but one that's, it's a very shallow, it's a 10 teamer. And so there's always lots of streaming options and I'm always sort of disappointed when I don't stream anybody in that league. And I just couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger on, uh, on Jordan Zimmerman today. Glad I didn't, because uh, it hasn't yeah. it didn't go well for him. Uh, now you mentioned Castellanos; he had two hits in that game, uh, but Zimmerman gave up six runs in five innings. Um, so obviously that that was a good choice. And but Rodon keeps rolling, uh, seven and two thirds, uh, three runs in that one against Tigers. But uh, Chris Archer, uh, now he wasn't a streaming option. He's you know not going to be a waiver option in pretty much any league. But um, and actually, I think he just may have given up a, a run, Nate. But uh, no, he's out of the game. So the final line on Archer 
Oh, no, he was charged with that run. So three runs and five innings, but seven strikeouts and no walks. So this is actually kind of the perfect outcome to talk about Chris Archer because I wrote a piece on him yesterday saying that even though his first two starts with the Pirates were sort of disappointing, if you dig underneath, I didn't see any cause for concern at all. So now with another kind of meh line for him, uh, how are you feeling about Archer going forward? Kind of the same as I felt about him all year. I actually didn't necessarily love the move to Pittsburgh. While Ray Searidge, our pitching coach, has got a ton of love uh, for some of the reclamation projects that he's been able to uh, successfully revive over the years, um, you know, the Pirates are also known for sort of being fastball heavy, and that's the opposite way we've seen a lot of uh, different teams in the league going, uh, a lot more towards breaking balls, which is be honest been a lot more effective <laughs> you know you see, you see guys like patrick corbin uh, have two breakouts by going away more breaking balls and um archer i mean it's all about that slider for, with him um and it's it, with he's still just a two-pitch guy really so uh i don't really see too much of a change i mean i i think he was he's not going to be able to return the average draft position that people paid for him this year uh, he's probably more of like a top 35-ish option for me really um without a ton of great control either Wow. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic than that. And by the way, when I said it was the final line, there is an inherited runner. So could actually be sort of an ugly line uh, if that runner scores with four runs and five innings. Uh, I did a little Twitter poll earlier today, uh, inspired my, by my own indecision, and uh, asked people, which types of leagues would you start Archer in today? Uh, this is at Minnesota. And uh, offered them the option of 10-team, 15-team, both or neither. Mm-hmm. And 60% said they'd start Archer in, in either a 10 or a 15 team, only 10% said neither. So it seems like right. people I, are giving him some benefit yeah. of the doubt. For, for what it's worth, I definitely would have started him against the Twins too. I mean, so obviously, uh, we have the benefit of hindsight here now, but the Twins have been pretty bad right. in the second half so far. So, uh, Well, and what do you think about Barrios? Another uh, off start for him, four runs and three and two-thirds. Uh, one was unearned, but uh, seven hits, so that doesn't... Uh, uh, it doesn't speak too well. Uh, mm-hmm. Does he? Do he just need to take a seat everywhere at this point? Uh, yeah, he's been really frustrating. Uh, I personally am still rolling with him where I have him. Uh, you know, we saw him earlier in the season struggle really hard. He just didn't have that curveball working for him. But he was able to uh, fix that in the bullpen session. He realized that he just wasn't getting enough uh, drive with his legs and. So I, I, he's a good enough pitcher to where I believe that he can fix whatever is wrong with him, come out of it, you know, like we saw earlier in the season. But uh, I wouldn't blame anybody for trying to play the matchups a little bit more with him moving forward. And, you know, we're seeing how that defense is affected as well, you know, without the likes of Byron Buxton out there in center field to track everything down. The Twins defense is not exactly the best in the league at this point. That's something to consider as well. Uh, Kyle Hendricks was holding the Brewers scoreless for the first three innings, uh, gave up a couple of runs in the fourth. But overall, looking like it's probably been a good day for him, uh, two runs in four innings uh, with six strikeouts. So any concerns? Do you play the matchups with Hendricks, or is he must start at this point? Yeah, he's been pretty hot lately, so I think you, you pretty much have to roll him out. I've never been a huge Hendricks guy just uh, because you know there's not a huge strikeout rate there. And especially earlier this season, he was just getting blown up way more often than I could stomach uh, with a guy with a low ceiling, you know, when you don't have that strikeout rate to to offset the occasional blow up. So uh, I don't own him anywhere, but if I did, I would uh, basically just be rolling him out there and crossing my fingers at this point, hoping that he stays hot. All right. Well, we got a whole bunch of pitchers on the slate for tonight, and so that's why uh, when I uh, tweeted out the the link to the show, I called it Wishy Washy Wednesday because it's just the, the slate just inspires a whole lot of meh from me. <laughs> so I wanted to see if you could uh, break my indecision here. Uh, Nate Evaldi just got uh, hammered the last time out. He's got the Phillies, and actually, we might as well go to both sides of that because you got Vince Velasquez who. I just didn't think uh, the peripherals were living up to the results, and then his last timeout uh, came back to came back to burn him. So you got Avaldi versus Velasquez. Do you trust either one in the start? I'll start with Velasquez because that's an easy no for me against Boston. I'm pretty <laughs> much sitting everybody pretty much sitting everybody against Boston except for my aces. Uh, but Evaldi is a little bit more interesting. The Phillies strike out a ton. 
26% in the second half so far. Uh, they're in the bottom of the third of the league in WOBA over the second half. So, um, and you know, with the Evaldi pitching for the Sox, you've always got a good chance at a win if you're in a wins league. I know I got beat up by Baltimore's last time out, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a shot this time for a reprieve. Well, who who can really stop the Orioles? I mean, they've been one of the best hitting teams, uh, strangely <laughs> enough, since All Star break. So, uh, and on that note, the um, Cardinals have been hitting really well. Jeremy Hellickson gets them. Uh, you know, he's not going to be a strikeout guy, but uh, you know, good control. Uh, you know, gives you a shot maybe at a, at a quality starter, though he doesn't sometimes face the order the third time through. Uh, and I got a question on Twitter earlier today, so I'm going to pose this to you. So somebody asked me whether they should stream Hellickson at the Cardinals or Shane Bieber at the Reds. The Reds have not been hitting well, uh, but Bieber, his uh, soft contact rate is just comically low. So it kind of makes, I think it makes it hard to trust him. So do you take Bieber with the better matchup or Hellickson with the worse one? Yeah, this is definitely tough. Um, and this is walking through a minefield for sure. Uh, I guess if I had to choose between those two, I would, uh, you know, half-heartedly go with Bieber. I suppose Cincinnati, like you said, you know, they've been really bad uh, over the second half so far. Um, like you said, he gets hit a little bit too hard, but at least, you know, he's not going to walk a ton of guys, and he should pitch deeper into the game, I think, than Hellickson, who, like you said, he doesn't really face uh, an order a third time through, so he's pretty much a five-and-dive guy, and with the Cardinals, they've been red hot. Uh, you know, Matt Carpenter is playing like an MVP right now, um, and, and they don't hardly strike out either, the Cardinals. So uh, if I had to choose, I'd, I'd go with Bieber there. Well, the, the response I gave on Twitter was almost identical to what you said, you know, half-heartedly uh, going with Bieber. You're going to make me pick one. I guess I'll pick Bieber. Uh, mm-hmm. How about Kevin Gosman? You buying into an NL renaissance for him, plus a pretty nice matchup with the Marlins? <laughs> it's more the matchup with the Marlins than, than any kind of renaissance, but – uh, I have been saying for years that I, I've been on the Gosman train for a long time, and um, I figured that it might take uh, a new franchise to, you know, really tap into his true potential. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'm believing that that happens necessarily over the rest of the season, but I'm pretty much rolling anybody out against the Marlins. All right. And uh, Tyler Anderson, I seem to always pick wrong with him. <laughs> so uh, you know, he, he had he uh, had a very nice uh, run of very good starts for a while, hit a little bit of a snag, but uh, came back strong the last time out. So how are you feeling about him at the Astros? Yeah, this is definitely, it feels like playing with fire here for sure. Uh, but I, I think I will. The fire pitch last night. Yeah, <laughs> this is just a smoke then. Um, but, uh, no, the, the Astros without Springer, without Altuve, um, they're at least knocked down a peg. They've been pretty cold recently. Um, so I, I think that I'll take my chances with Anderson if I, you know, if I had a stream tonight, uh, if, if I don't need to make up pitching categories, you know, get strikeouts or wins or anything, I would probably be avoiding most of these options. But, uh, if I do have to make up ground, I'd go ahead and roll Anderson out. All right. Well, let me give you two more to avoid, possibly avoid then. Uh, so you got Derek Holland, who's really been on, on a pretty nice run for several weeks now. Uh, he's got the Dodgers. So I don't really love the matchup, but I, I've been liking Holland. And then uh, Robbie Erlin, you know, probably too early to really tell how dependable he's going to be. But I do like the matchup uh, at home against the Angels. So do either Holland or, or, or Erlin interest you? Yes, I I think I would go with Derek Holland tonight. Um, you know, the Dodgers do have plenty of matchups to play with against lefties. Um, but they, you know, Dozier is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's going to be out of the lineup for the near future. Um, and he's historically hit lefties really well, although a little bit less so this year. But, um, yeah, I think I would be feeling a little bit better with Holland against the Dodgers than Erland against uh, the Angels. You know, even with Mike Trout, well, without Mike Trout, uh, the Angels have been uh, pretty decent, but... Uh, Erlen, you know, he's still he, kind of like with Hellickson. He's kind of a five-and-dive option at this point. Most of his production has come out of the bullpen, so I'm going with Holland. All right. Well, great timing there, Nate, because we do have to go to break, but uh, we got all of those guys in. So thanks again for joining us and helping me out with my indecision. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. My pleasure, Nate. All right. So uh, we're going to head to break. We'll come back, check in on lineups, weather, and a whole lot more right on the other side. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. On the show, and uh, before we get on with uh, get on with uh, lineups and weather, and looking at the standout performers from uh, from yesterday's games, uh, just a quick reminder here: the Fantasy Factor is the only exclusively single entry DFS site. They have free rolls registering all the time, and also great promotions for free prizes. So keep a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free $1 million Survivor Contest opening about a week before NFL kickoff. All you, could do, all you have to do then is go to FantasyFactor.com. That's FantasyFactor.com. So got at least a couple of really important uh, lineup changes to uh, alert you to. Uh, first of all, Red Sox-Phillies. Talked about that uh, matchup, Evaldi versus Velasquez with uh, Nate Dockin in the uh, previous segment. Uh, so, uh, no Phillies lineup yet. However, we do have the Red Sox lineup, no DH. So, uh, on Tuesday, uh, it was Jackie Bradley who sat out. Bradley's back in, batting sixth in center field. No Mookie Betts. So, get Mookie Betts out of your lineup for tonight. No Mookie Betts. Uh, J.D. Martinez in right, Bradley in center, Benintendi in left. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, no Phillies lineup. Mets Orioles. That's going to be Zach Wheeler and Dylan Bundy. We do not have a Mets lineup just yet, and we do have the Orioles lineup, but it is their standard lineup. So we can move on to raise Yankees Faria and Sessa in that one. And for the Yankees, no Glaber Torres. Uh, it's Ronald Torres. Don't get confused now. Ronald Torres at second base, batting ninth. Moving on to uh, Battle of Ohio, Indians and Reds. The aforementioned, previously discussed Shane Bieber uh, facing off against Robert Stevenson, making his second start since a call-up. And uh, we got Billy Hamilton in there, so uh, he's not been playing every day. There's been a little bit of a uh, rotation there, but Hamilton in the Reds lineup tonight and uh, batting ninth. And uh, looking at the Indians lineup, uh, nothing much to see there. So we can move on to Marlins, Braves, Urania, and Gosman. And I uh, don't see anything unusual. The Red Hot Ronald Acuna leading off again. And don't see uh, anything there to uh, to take note of. And that's it. That's it. So we do not have any lineups yet for the remaining five games, which are all not in the Eastern time zone all later on. So, and Oh, I do want to just make one quick note here because Nathan said something about uh, Brian Dozier being out. Now Dozier did play on Tuesday and uh, I would expect he, he should be in the lineup. So during the break, I just double checked to see if maybe there was a new update on Dozier, but um, apparently he, he took uh, some allergy medicine and that's what gave him the, uh, the dizziness that, uh, that got everybody very concerned about Brian Dozier. So I think he's okay. I think he should be in the lineup. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm sure that we're not going to see a Dodgers lineup. That's going to be a 7-10 Pacific time start uh, against the Giants. And again, that's Holland and Ryu in that one. Uh, so you may want to just double check in that. But I, I would expect actually that we will see uh, Brian Dozier uh, tonight. So um, and also, yeah, Dozier did go over four on uh, on Tuesday against the Giants, just so you know. But we're going to take a look at a few other players who came back uh, that uh, we'll see how they, they did in, the, in their first game back. Uh, and we'll take a look at a, a whole bunch of pitchers. But before we do that, let's uh, also take a look at the weather because there's one game in particular that uh, may be a bit of concern tonight. You know, pretty much 
all situations that you don't have to worry about. But there is going to be a bit of rain in St. Louis, 23% chance of uh, uh, precipitation probability for first pitch there and considerably higher chance before game time. So if that you know system gets stalled or something, I mean, I'm pretending to talk like a you know weather forecaster here, but uh, <laughs> boys, I would just check in on that one to make sure that that forecast is as good or better than it currently is. And actually, while we're checking Cincinnati uh, for Indians Reds, kind of a similar situation, 20% chance of precipitation at game time there. But looks like everything should be good to go and no delays uh, or cancellations to worry about. So, uh, already, uh, actually, yeah, before we get on to the uh, stand-up performers, uh, I should remind you that you need to get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory. Don't wait. Get it right now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. Oh, no, it's a full season package that takes you all the way from draft day to your championship week, and it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite experts right here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network. So go to rotoexperts.com, use the code WINNER, to get 10% off on the exclusive edge package. And then just the the last step, it's an easy one. Clear off a little space on your mantle. You're going to need it for your 2018 championship trophy. All right. So some hitters that uh, came back on Tuesday after uh, an absence. Uh, Robinson Cano, that's clearly the big one there. Uh, Went one for four, played first base. He's actually in the lineup uh, for the Mariners today at second base. I think that game just got underway. Um, just checking in on that. Uh, it's uh, at Oakland, uh, Leak and Anderson. So Cano second base uh, for that game with D. Gordon moving to center field for the first time in a few months. But uh, and I'm just looking to see if Cano maybe has batted yet. And he has, he has a single, one for one. So uh, Robinson Cano now, since coming back from his PED suspension, is two for five. Uh, a couple of singles for him. And I already mentioned Brian Dozier and 0 for four coming back. And uh, Nolan Arenado starting uh, as a DH. Uh, so he's not liking DHing. He's not enjoying it, but he is uh, producing because he hit his 30th homer of the season uh, on Tuesday. And I'm going to guess that uh, Arenado will be uh, DHing again against the Astros tonight. That's going to be uh, Tyler Anderson and Garrett Cole. But we do not have uh, lineups for uh, Rockies and Astros just yet. So as long as the Rockies are in that AL park, uh, you'll see Arenado. I would expect you'll see him in the starting lineup, despite the fact that he's not over his shoulder injury uh, just yet. Uh, We also had a debut. Taylor Ward got the start for the Angels at third base and went two for three with a double. He also walked against the Padres, so very nice debut there for, uh, for Taylor Ward. Uh, and uh, let's get to the, the, the real big performances here because while those were nor- noteworthy as debuts or the first time uh, starting in a while, uh, Ronald Acuna <laughs> is just doing it all. Uh, he went uh, three for five with a couple of home runs against the Marlins on Tuesday. That extends his hitting streak to, streak to eight games, and Every game has just been loaded with production and power. Uh, over the eight games, he is 16 for 34, a hit shy of 500, uh, with eight homers total over those eight games and at least one home run in each of his last five games. So it uh, doesn't get any hotter than uh, what it is right now for Ronald Acuna. And Ryan Braun with a two-homer game against the Cubs, so he is now up to uh, 14 homers on the season. And while, you know, the focus might have been on the return of uh, Cano or Brian Dozier being okay or Ronald Acuna just hitting everything in sight, a couple of middle infielders that might have fallen just a little bit under the radar here. Adalberto Mondesi had a monster game against the Blue Jays. He went four for four. Two of those hits were doubles. He now has eight doubles on the year, and he stole three bases. So he's now already up to 15 stolen bases. So Mondesi's shown a little bit of that power-speed combination that we saw some of in the minors, and uh, you know definitely a, a good add in any kind of roto format for the steals. And 
probably can't expect to get a great batting average or if it's an OBP league, definitely not helping you in that category. But again, a little bit of power and a whole lot of speed. Uh, we're seeing that from Adalberto Mondesi. And Colton Wong has continued a hot streak. He went three for three, uh, also walked to get on base for a fourth time against the Nationals on Tuesday, hit his eighth home run of the season. And now that extends a 22-game hot streak where he is batting 355. That home run was just the second over that period. So you're not seeing a lot of home run power, but it's not like he's completely devoid of power either because over those 22 games, he has seven doubles and a triple. So uh, certainly in points leagues, that's going to add up or maybe could even be a signal of a little bit more home run power to come in the future. So uh, Colton Wong is somebody maybe to think about picking up as a hot hand play uh, for second base or middle infield. And Rafael Ortega just recently, uh, just a few days ago, a few days ago, called up by the Marlins. Uh, definitely an afterthought for me, fantasy wise. I mean, he played a little bit uh, with the Angels a couple years back, uh, but you know, not somebody that you would necessarily consider uh, an everyday starter. But should get plenty of play, playing time with the Marlins. I would think for at least the next few weeks, maybe they give him a look and see how he might pan out as a, as a future leadoff hitter. Somebody who has good plate discipline, very good contact skills, and a little bit of speed. So not a wholly uh, different profile from that of Tony Kemp, who I've talked about quite a lot in the past couple of weeks as somebody that I like as a, a pickup in maybe 15 teams and deeper. Uh, and Ortega, I think he's got similar appeal. Obviously, the lineup around him, not, not as good as what Tony Kemp has. But Ortega may actually get a little bit more playing time. He's already stolen three bases for the Marlins. And uh, that third stolen base came on Tuesday as part of a, uh, a three-for-four game. He doubled. He walked in that one, so he got on base a, a fourth time. And he's hitting 280 with, uh, with the three steals. So uh, maybe, I don't know, poor man's Tony Kemp. Maybe not even a poor man's Tony Kemp. Maybe just... Somebody who's like Tony Kemp who could help you with OBP, uh, batting average, and or uh, stolen bases. And uh, let's uh, get on to the pitchers here. Uh, so Ulysses Seen, I, I, you know, I really was sort of struggling to figure out how he had been doing so well. And then he had that one start, which I think is now three starts back for him, where he got clobbered. And I thought, well, you know, maybe not worth the trouble <laughs> to really look into it. But again, he's, he's uh, gotten back on track, and that includes Tuesday's start against the Cubs. Seven scoreless innings with 10 strikeouts, only three hits allowed. And the, the thing that with, with Shasid, that that is consistent for him, he t- doesn't give up a lot of home runs. And in general... He's been not outstanding, but very good, above average at minimizing hard contact on fly balls. So I'm not sure I fully buy that as an explanation on how he's been able to translate the low home run ratio that he had with San Diego to a hitter's park like Miller Miller Park. But, you know, maybe he is just good enough at uh, avoiding hard contact that it's working out for him this year. So I'm, I'm still a little bit on the fence there, but at least... I, I feel like I have a partial explanation for what's going for Shasin. But that, that said, uh, if he's available as a streaming option, I'm going to continue to pass, maybe at my own uh, at my own peril. And I'm going to do the same with Nick Pavetta, too, even though he's now had three very good starts in a row, and this one against the Red Sox. So Nathan Dockin earlier on the show talking about sitting everybody that faces the Red Sox except the, the studs. Uh, well, Pavetta, if you sat him, you... You regretted it because he only gave up one run in six innings on three hits a walk while getting six strikeouts. And over his last three starts, he's given up just three runs over 18 innings. In the previous two starts, Pavetta had ground ball rates that were uh, 50% or higher. So, you know, if that were a trend, I'd be like, hmm, okay. He's taking care of the, the Achilles heel of his stat line here. He's taking care of the home run problem. But might have just lucked out against the Red Sox because the the fly ball rate was up high where it typically is for Pavetta. So, yeah, I'm going to skip him as well. I talked about Herman Marquez on Tuesday's show saying that uh, of a number of pitchers who were on the Tuesday slate that seemed sort of on the cusp of being reliable, but not not quite yet. Marquez was the one that I, I think I've, I've finally reached the point of trust with. And against the Astros, he did put up another great start. Uh, one run over seven innings on three hits and two walks. 
very similar actually to Pavetta, but just with an extra inning and also an extra strikeout, seven Ks against the Astros. Uh, so just another excellent start for Her- Herman Marquez, who I, at this point, I would start just about anywhere against anybody. J-Hap, I'm not so sure. Uh, he did throw seven scoreless innings against the Rays, a one-hit performance, but only four Ks with four walks. And on the surface, looks like Hap is on a hot streak. He's got a 1.88 ERA over his last four starts. He's got a 182 BABIP and, a, and an 89% strand rate so i think once that all washes out he's a matchups guy at best to be honest so on the other hand jayla beaks uh he didn't start uh was hunter wood being the opener pitched one inning for the rays the beaks came in and another nice performance for him uh two runs over five innings eight k's for beaks and so he has an even 3.00 ERA over his last three appearances. Now he too, even more so than Hap, has been blessed by the Babip gods, 118 Babip. So yeah, there's some regression coming for Beaks. But whereas with Hap, I I'm not sure that once the the regression occurs that he's going to be somebody you're going to want to start very often. I'm intrigued by Beaks because uh, over those three starts he does have a 27% strikeout rate and struck out a whole bunch of people in the minor leagues. So uh, you just got to be able to track whenever uh, he seems to be on tap to, uh, to fill that, uh, that long relief role after the, after the opener departs for the Rays. So, uh, you know, my, my recommendation, I got this question, I think it was last week on the show. How do you track that? How do you figure that out? And I'll, I'll repeat my answer. Follow Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay times, or at least just look up his, uh, his uh, columns. Uh, on the Tampa Bay Times and on their website because he pretty much keeps you up to date in terms of what the the reliever schedule is, uh, particularly those long relievers. So Beeks does seem to be on something of a, you know, five, six-day schedule that uh, should should be too hard to track. And then finally, going to circle back to Lucas Giolito, who I've talked about a lot lately, who seems to be a different pitcher the past uh, five weeks or so, and a good start against the Tigers. Now, Part of Giolito's improvement is he's getting more chases. The Tigers are not a disciplined team. He put up a very, very healthy 43% chase rate. So you got to give some of that to the matchup, but just a good start overall. Uh, three runs on eight hits and a walk with seven Ks for Giolito. So he's 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 fancy relevant for me now. You definitely got to look at the matchups, but he's somebody I'm, I'm considering uh, at very least in 15-team mixed leagues. So... Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this one. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again uh, to Nathan Dockin for dropping in and dropping all kinds of uh, pitching knowledge on us. And uh, be back here, same time, same place, tomorrow with Fred Zinke. Yes, Fred Zinke. Going to be a good one. So I'll see you then. Have a great one, everybody. 